Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Be sure to check out the Writers Guild Foundation Inside the Writers Room event on Thursday, May 28th, featuring Matthew Weiner and the staff of Mad Men, where they'll discuss how they crafted one of America's iconic period dramas. Tickets for the Mad Men event and many other great Writers Guild events are on sale on their website, wgfoundation.org, and they're open to the public, not just WGA members. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on literary manager and producer who was a former creative exec at Adelstein Productions and head of development at PCH Films before turning to representation in 2012, partnering with Allard Cantor at Epicenter, where he represents screenwriters and filmmakers in all media. He's also an alumni of Southern Miss, Brett Favre's old stomping grounds, and went on to graduate school at AFI. I'm very pleased to have on the show today, Jared Murray. Thanks for coming on, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. So, you're originally from Alabama, and you came to Hollywood via Southern Miss. I guess my first question is, how did you end up here working in the industry, and what sparked your interest in film and television initially? So, I was originally I was originally a music major, mm-hmm. um, and was a I was a drummer in in, uh, in high school and. Really thought I wanted to pursue music, and and uh, you know as soon as I as soon as I got there, I was I, I was like, yeah, this is not this is stop being fun, and that was about this was like a month into the, uh, <laughs> my my uh, uh, my freshman year, and then uh, decided I wanted to uh, change my major to film because they had a they had a a small radio TV film program at Southern Miss, and um, basically the you know, there are a lot of good theory and history classes, and but the the, pro, the production classes were just like here, here's a here's a camera, go go have go do a movie. <laughs> so that's that's kind of that's kind of what we that's kind of what we did. And uh, um, I I graduated, and I, was, I, and it, I kind of dove headfirst uh, into that, and uh, graduated there. And you know, I, I everyone everyone thinks they want to be a director and you know i i quickly learned that it's not quite it's not quite my thing mm-hmm. um uh i i but what i was good at was getting people to see my shit like it was it was you know like promoting it and getting getting it out there and getting it getting the material festivals you know getting people to come to screenings and um and my my friend was like maybe maybe producing is kind of more your your speed. So I started thinking more along those lines, mm-hmm. and graduated there. I didn't know what exactly what I wanted to do, but I, I went home for a bit and uh, got my first production job. I was a an assistant location manager on a low budget movie, and um, uh, decided that I was gonna I'm gonna uh, I was gonna go to New York. I had never been in New York before, and so I um, I saved up some money. I worked construction at my uncle's construction company. And um, saved up some money, and then went to went to New York, where I did my first internship, which was uh, at a company called Heart Sharp Films. Mm-hmm. Did uh, you can count on me and Boys Don't Cry, and probably some of, you can count on me is one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. So I really wanted to um, wanted to go work there, and uh, I spent I, I, my my graduation present to myself was a uh, was a trip to New York in December. And I'd never, I'd never gone, and I that was the, the trip consisted of me like walking the streets of New York in the slush, handing out my resume <laughs> to production companies, and then some, some people were like, "You're insane," and uh, but some of you know, hard people are like, "Yeah, sure, we need interns. Come back in the summertime." 
And so I went back home and then saved some money working construction and then for my uncle. And then that summer I, I, I went to New York and uh, I, I had no had no kind of expectation of what was going to happen necessarily. I mean, I, I, I stayed up there that summer and, um, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And I came back, I, I'd flown out to LA for an interview at AFI and did not go well. I don't think, <laughs> um, I never heard back from him. So, uh, this was like in the spring of that year, it was 2003. And I sort of, I was like, well, I didn't get in. So, you know, moving on. So I started applying to some more grad graduate programs and, um, uh, New Orleans was starting to come become a big uh, production hub with all the the tax incentives there, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, you know, like what what do I do now? I liked New York. I still have some money saved up, so I decided, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna pack up all my shit in a U-Haul and drive, get an apartment and drive drive up to New York. This was like Labor Day 2003, around that around that time. So I drive, I drive 24 hours straight, get get there, get unpacked, take my U-Haul back, and then halfway through my first day there, I get a call. It's from AFI. Oh gosh. <laughs> said, um, hey, so someone didn't show up. Do you still want to come out here? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, classes started yesterday, so you need to you need to come like right now. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I like yeah, sure. So uh, great timing, though. So. I had to pack up again, uh, I had to get another U-Haul, pack up again, drive back home, get my car, and and then come out here. So from the time I left Alabama going to New York the first time to the time I got to California was seven days and 5,000 miles. Oh, gosh. And um, and it never left. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was 11 years ago. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. I know you sort of got your start working for Marty Edelstein, uh, who's known right. for, for a lot of TV and film projects like Prison Break, Last Man Standing, movies like Made of Honor and Hannah. And I know you actually had a hand in Hannah, which we can talk about. But I wanted to talk about something first, because I heard you actually bluffed your way from intern to assistant there. And I want to know th- that story. I want to hear how that happened. Yeah, so after... So the AFI is, AFI is a two-year program, mm-hmm. and the summer of that, after the first year, I was I was kind of on the fence about about whether or not I wanted to go back, and uh, it was you know it was a lot of money, and and you know I was having to take out loans like I didn't have I didn't have family money or or anything like that, and so it was it was that was weighing heavily upon me, and also the fact that like you know I'm paying I'm paying them that much money to go there. And I hope no one from AFI is listening to this, uh, but it's it's true. I mean, they 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 know they know why I didn't you know I didn't go back. But like, it's it's a lot of money to to go there, and 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 in the second year is all about your thesis film. Mm-hmm. So the in addition to paying all that money to go there, you have to you have to raise money for a thesis film, which like as a producer, like it didn't make that much financial sense because like my okay my name's going to be on someone's directing reel. Like, right. What does that get me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I made I met a lot of amazing people there who I'm still friends with, and you know I still you know we have several clients who went to AFI and and we still kind of you know AFI has been great about about referring us to clients and but anyway 
um, the, the the summer after that first year, I was like, I was really on the fence about going back, and I I was doing some some other interning, uh, interned at Joel Silver's company and Original Film, and that that summer I was you know was like, well, I gotta I, gotta, I just want to get out there and start working, and uh, and so I I told I told AFI I was not coming back and had to tell my 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 thesis team that I was not coming back that they were down you know they were down a producer and which was which was not easy and you know I, and I just I just interned and I was like okay no no more no more grad school I need to find a job and I was I was like I was flipping pizzas on the weekends to make extra money and um, and uh, I would you know I was I was basically you know original original film was uh, Neil Moritz and Marty Edelstein. They had a management TV film component for a couple of years. I got there kind of right at the tail end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marty had come over from from Endeavor a couple a couple years prior, and they they got some stuff made. And um, but I think that that partnership, for for whatever reason, was just dissolving. And uh, Marty and Don Pruse were basically going to form their own pod with a deal at 20th. And so um, I had no idea what any of this shit was. <laughs> pod deal? What, what is, what's the, what's an if come deal? Like it was all, it was all so new. And I was, as an intern, I was, um, you know, just the, the, the things you, you know, you're so naive when you, uh, you know, at that, I was, I was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, so naive, like what you can or can't accomplish or, Things you can or can't say, and you know, it was just I was just, I took over an empty office and was calling, was looking into book rights and sending them, you know, like you know. So I was sort of, I'd already kind of, was already kind of pretending I was I was an employee, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at a certain point, like once they, once they got to the new office, uh, they they you know they kept saying like, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hire you, we're gonna hire you. They brought on a, a, a film exec named Scott Nemus, who was my first direct boss. And Scott now runs uh, is now a is now an exec over at Cinemax. And um, but at the time, he was in charge of building Marty's feature division. And so, you know, this this job offer never came. And you know, I'm like, well, I kind of need to I kind of need to figure out what I'm because like I, I didn't have enough experience to really desk experience or agency experience to get you know, get a job anywhere else. So I basically said, all right, so this other internship I've got is offering me a job and I don't want to go there, but if you guys don't hire me, I'm, you know, I'm going to take it. And so, so they did. And (laughs) that's how I got my first job. Nice. You've worked a number of years in development before sort of turning to producing on your own and then ultimately now representation how did you make that transition, and why? So I, I was I, I got I got promoted um, with you know when I was working with Marty and, mm-hmm. and Scott, and um, that you know for multiple reasons, just you know the strike happened kind of right not too long after, mm-hmm. and it was just a it was just a weird time, and you know I, I was it was you know I got. You know, I, I, they hired a reality exec, and I was, you know, and I was like, I don't want to do reality, and then I was, you know, it was this, 
it was it was a weird it was sort of a, a weird situation and so like I, I decided that I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go try to go somewhere else and then I got a job working for uh, working for PCH which was uh, Trevor Albert and Harold uh, sorry Trevor Albert and James Keach Trevor uh, was Harold Ramis's producing partner for for a lot of years and uh, produced Groundhog Day and uh, Multiplicity and um, uh, a ton of a ton of stuff with uh, with Harold and um, and James Keach who produced Lock the Lion and it was you know it was a it was a good experience I did that for a couple years and we had um, we were able to pay some writers and uh, you know I one of my one of my strengths was just finding cool source material under the radar which like I don't really have that I don't really have a chance to do that now which I kind of miss but um, you know we are optioning books and and things like that which you know which were that sort of laid the foundation for me um, without that experience I wouldn't have signed my first clients because you know who I met just in the course of general um, you know general meetings and and, and whatnot but um, so that job that job kind of fizzled out in late 2010 and I was going I, I was kind of in full sort of scramble mode I'm like okay I need to find a I need to find a job and I was going in for interviews and my I quickly realized like my my resume was not such that like I wasn't going to be at the top of people's list I wasn't like I wasn't an exec coming out of Lorenzo de Bonaventura or mm-hmm. one of these bigger one of these bigger companies so you know and our development exec skill sets, I mean, they're kind of, you know, we we're all kind of had the same skill set. It's, you know, we, we have the ability to, to do notes and, you know, and, you know, put together writer's lists. And, and you know, so, like, I think the, having uh, having those high-level people putting calls for you kind of makes all the, makes all the difference. Um, and so I was, and also, like, at, you know, I don't think I was, I think I'd wanted to go back to work for another producer. It was, you know, working some working my ass off somewhere for two, three years and you know, and then I'm for if, if the ball doesn't bounce my way on a couple of things, you know, I'm off looking for another job in three years. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't wanna I sort of saw the writing on the wall for me, for myself as an as as an exec. And this kind of combined with um, like a pretty terrible breakup that I went through around the same time. And I just, I, I have a, a friend from AFI, um, incidentally, um, you know, was like, why don't you, why don't you move in with me for a few months, kind of figure out, figure out your shit and, um, let's, and, you know, but don't stay too long. <laughs> um, and, um, and so, so I did. And, and then I, was just living off unemployment and and I was not really thinking I wanted to be a manager at the time and I was just like I'm gonna I'm just gonna set it. I have had a few projects that I was gonna take with me um, you know I, I sold a couple of things as a as a producer a couple of book adaptations and you know I was just gonna like I'm just gonna be a producer be an indie producer which is like the hardest way to make money um, right. uh, in that you can't make any uh, and you know, I, I was, I felt like I was being productive, but, um, at the, at the urging of, uh, of an agent friend of mine, uh, Bob Holman, he, he said, why don't you, 
when you sign a couple of clients. I mean, it's you, if you don't like it, you can always change your mind. And you know, I, I'm like, ah, I don't want to be a manager, but after thinking about it, it's like it sort of it sort of fit what I was, you know, it, it sort of checked some boxes. Like I I, I like working with writers. Um, I like you know that I was I was good at talking to. I'm good at talking to writers. I can, you know, decent at development. Um, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And then I signed my first client, and then signed another client um, a couple months later, who uh, who I'd worked with, um, and yeah, and then managed not to fuck up my first deal a few months into it. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> so, um, so I did that out of my, I did that out of uh, out of my apartment for for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, you know, but I, I consci- made a conscious decision that I didn't want to just sign a bunch of writers um, because as, as, a, as a development exec, I feel like I, I'm glad I got that experience because I'm very sensitive about the types of material that, that we send out. You know, like if I, were, if I were getting this, if I were not this writer's manager and I got this as a development exec, would I, what would I think about it? Would I pass it up the, would I pass it up the ladder or, you know, if not, then we probably got some work to do mm-hmm. or, or, you know, it's, um, so I think I'm, I'm very conscientious about, about that. And then, um, uh, so I had, so I had two, so I had two clients for the longest time. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to build my, my business around these two clients, which were, uh, Wilburson and uh, a guy named Josh Greenberg, and Josh Greenberg just uh, just finished up his second uh, or second staff job as a story editor on the McCarthy's. Oh, cool! Um, and um, and Will just uh, Will just sold a project to Spike with uh, Edward James Olmos attached to Star. Oh, cool! And um, and so um, you know, but I was I was you know, as much as I kind of needed to make money, I just didn't want to like throw shit against the wall. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, then, and then in 2012, uh, a friend, uh, a friend introduced me to, to Allard and then we, we kind of hit it off and he was kind of, he was doing the same thing that I was doing. And, uh, he had also gone to AFI a few years after me, but was a little bit, a little bit older. He had, he had a previous career in, in New York and had done well for himself and just decided that he, he didn't want to do it anymore and he, at age 36 he and his he and his wife moved out here and he went to AFI in the producing program and I graduated and was just kind of was just managing on his own as well but I think having having kind of finding finding it we were each kind of individually finding it tough uh, on our own and then we you know we joined up in 2012 and he was uh, uh, he was already a fan of a client and so it just it just kind of happened very naturally and so um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be, this summer will be our three-year anniversary. Oh, nice. Now, do you guys rep more feature or TV writers? And uh, what are the differences in terms of breaking a feature writer versus a TV writer and how you go about it? I'd say we're like 75, 80% TV mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's not, it's not like, oh, fuck features. It's, it's well, I guess sort of, but um, just only because only because we we started with TV writers and it, that's been sort of the natural kind of flow of things. I, I, I feel you know we Alan and I both love movies and and want to you know 
I would love to be I'd love to be selling huge stacks, but like just the I feel like there's more opportunity for the type of writers we we represent. Like it's it's granted none of, none of this is e- none of this is easy, but um, just the we we find ourselves with chasing TV writers and you know uh, and we're we're sort of there are more there are more opportunities for you know if you write a good if you've got a good original pilot that you can you can build interest or you know get staffed on a show or you know there's um, whereas with a with a with a feature it's you know you spend you spend a lot of work developing something that may or may not go anywhere you know mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we we haven't we have we actually haven't developed uh we haven't developed a feature mess, like to 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 really kind of take out to the marketplace i just feel like it's such a we have we have things we're trying to put together independently um but but for the most part it's the our time is spent developing these developing pilots getting those ready and introducing tv the tv writers to the town and uh, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to the feature, so it's trying to get them, get them, get people. It's trying to break break writers in, in features, which I got. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I can say what the difference is because it's it's like we haven't really, um, we haven't really done that yet. Mm-hmm. But we have we have broken several, several TV writers, mm-hmm. um, which I both hard in their own. In their own respect, also like I, I, I think just the, the the general, the marketplace is sort of because there are so many, so many buyers for, for TV, there are that creates more opportunities. Whereas you know for, like unless you're writing unless you're writing Avengers or Batman, like it's very hard to kind of break through, and uh, that's that's just been my experience, mm-hmm. um, and and sort of in getting. Getting attention for writers on the uh, on the in, in the feature space. Right. Now, in terms of breaking a TV writer, we were talking earlier about staffing season. What is sort of the process of breaking a TV writer? What are sort of the steps? Like you sign a new client who has their original spec pilot and whatever writing samples they may have. What are the steps that you go through breaking a TV writer and trying to land them? staffing meetings and hopefully landing a job on a show it's it helps um it helps having having some kind of like taking taking a writer who has no has no credits or no no experience or is like not coming out of a, a who isn't working as an assistant on, mm-hmm. in a, on a show already or coming out of a program is is very very difficult um uh which is not to say, not to say impossible, but um, but writing, but you can sell, you know, you can sell a spec, uh, which is like, you know, we're just doing a deal with uh, with a financier now for for a uh, a client who's, you know, was had not had not done much before, but um, before he wrote before he before he wrote this, it was like a um, um, female driven female driven crime show. Um, and you know, we we got we got some we got some attention for him at CA, and you know now you know it looks like they're they want to um, you know they're going to directors and, and actors, and but 
getting him staffed is is kind of a much different much different beast because it's you know um, I found that like uh, also for people are very kind of reluctant at the at the staff writer level to to hire um, to hire people who haven't been in rooms before, which is like, well, how do you get, how do you get experience if you haven't, <laughs> unless you can get in a room, it's, just, it's such a, it's kind of a, it's such a, you know, catch 22. Um, right. But, you know, but I, I just say we, we, we sign, we're, we're in the voice business and if, if a voice resonates with us and we know it when we, when we see it, then it's, you know, we, we just have to, uh, but getting to, getting to your, getting to your question, um, it's basically we we say staffing season starts, you know, the staffing season's year round now, but we, right now we're kind of in the thick of of, of network mm-hmm. staffing, and it's 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 very much it's very much a a numbers game. It's also about like who does who does the writer have relationships with that we can, you know, that will get that will get them read, um, and so it's about like kind of analyzing. Going through and looking at each network pilot and seeing which one is the best fit for for the client, and, and targeting that as best as best we can, um, and you know, and trying to be again trying to be mindful of of the you know of the exec who's getting bombarded with material. Um, like someone told me that each show each show gets 500 submissions. Wow. I don't know if that's like every I don't know if that's at every level or or combined, but that's still that's a lot. Right. <laughs> and so um and so we're trying to we you know, we try to be we try to be respectful of the of the exact time cuz you don't want them being like, well, this doesn't this, how is this applicable at all for, you know, so and they you know, they appreciate that. Um but it's you know, it starts with cuz you can't like if you start now with Hey, I got this good writer for you. You've never, you don't know anything about him or her, and uh, but she'd be really, he or she'd be really good for this. That's if you have to do educating mm-hmm. at this stage, like right, you know, when shows are like cuts have been are being turned in, and people are already kind of going through their their lists and starting to meet people, then like it, you're kind of you're kind of at a disadvantage. Right. So it's you know it's t- it's introducing it's making sure the 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 writers are introduced at at the you know at the production company um you know mostly the the production company and you know sort of in studio studio level earlier on uh before before things get kind of crazy um and it's yeah again it's like it's just it's making sure that um it's and if, if 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 someone doesn't have the right Example for it, it, it like oh, I'm, it, it's um, for a particular project, and I, I'm, I'm I'm very kind of reluctant to to submit them for it. We also have them um, like, what about what in your personal experience uh, relates to you know these pilots? Like, why should we? What, you know, you have 60 seconds to grab an exec over the phone with like, here's why you should be reading my client who's got you know, for example, boom is is about uh, is about uh, is about oil, and you know we have a client who's got some who's got some 
you know, knowledge of the of that world. And so it's you know it becomes uh, you know you have to here's what here's why this this person is right for it. So it's it's not, you're not just like well here's here's some writers and you know maybe I don't I don't know like if if you're you know this person may or may not be good. Um, you just have to like put on your put on my salesman hat and make them you know sort of make them. Not, Try to make them, you know, they don't want to read it, but try to make them want to read it. You know, right. uh, like you know, uh, and there's, you know, one of the one of the pilots is looking for uh, one of the half-hour pilots is looking for people who write in who can write like kind of hybrid, uh, like mashup genres like horror comedy or or sci-fi comedy, and you know, it's um, well, who do I have that's you know, one one of one of my writers wrote a horror comedy mashup, and you know. And is a big fan of Stephen King, and and you know it's it's uh, it's it's sort of making it making it more palatable for for the exec or showrunner to to uh, to read these people. And we also found that that showrunners and showrunner assistants are a little bit a little bit more kind of open and welcoming of of writers who don't have any credits, mm-hmm. because like I've, I've I've encountered a few times where the studio exec will say, um, you know, unless unless they've done something like unless they have, you know, they're coming off a show or like they've they have a you know they they have a credit already or you know I don't we don't want to read them but and then talking to I just call I I will call up the production office number and speak to, uh, speak to the showrunner's assistant and they you know they're like yeah well sure we'll we we'll read anything but comedy showrunner assistants are my favorite <laughs> people. Um, whether or not they, you know, you have to, it is, you know, I said earlier, throwing stuff against the wall, mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of go back on that a little bit because, like, you have to cover everything because you, you, you have to assume that you have to act as if everything is going to get picked up when, you know, that's not the case. You have to treat, you have to treat all these things equally as important. And submit and submit to, to everything, you know, if, right. uh, and make sure make sure make sure every show is covered. Right. Um, so, but I, I will say, like I think, you know, over the past few years, like it's it's been, you know, I, like I, when I said I, I I started with I started with those two clients because I know like you know because now, you know, I feel like a few years later I'm I'm sort of in a I'll say like I'll, I'll, I've never I'm not I don't mean to like to you know to my own horn or you know but it's it's um we you know we call execs up and they have we have a good rapport with them or establish this kind of foundation of of trust where in in which you know I'll say like I got a writer you should meet and they're like yeah well set the meeting you know I trust I trust you you know because mm-hmm. it's that's that's kind of a that means a lot and. Um, um, and, but even still, it's like, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's this year in particular, people just aren't really that open to, to meeting generally, uh, right now or meeting with an eye toward staffing. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of been, it's sort of been, been kind of a slog to get, to get people meetings this year for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why. Uh, but every writer, every writer has been been different. Like you know, Josh Greenberg is my one of my comedy clients, and he was, you know, he had not. I'll just use, I guess we use him as kind of a case case study. I mean, he 
he had not had uh, he had a he, he had some kind of near misses. Like he and I had a project when I was in development, didn't quite go forward. Uh, um, and he had this really funny half hour sample, and and you know his 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 previous manager did not. It was like his previous manager was like, yeah, I don't really know TV that well, <laughs> and so um, it's like I don't know why you would you know, really tell a, a client that, like, well, why don't you figure it out? Like, right. um, but, um, he, you know, he, his previous manager had not done much for him, and then, but he had this really funny um, half-hour sample that was, that was uh, that I, you know, a couple months into it, I, I found someone who wanted to option it, and it didn't, it didn't go anywhere, and it didn't, didn't pay him, like, life-changing amounts of money, but, like, mm-hmm. we started getting some momentum off of that, and, um, that led to him getting an agent, and then that that led to him meeting more people and getting more fans, and um, and then he uh, and then he eventually applied for the Fox Writers Intensive, hmm. and um, that was you know the, the, I forget how many how many writers applied. It's like something like four hundred or uh, yeah, like four hundred applicants, and they pick ten, right? And Josh was number twelve. <laughs> Oh wow! And uh, they they picked two alternates, and so um, they're like, hey, you can you can meet the executives, anything, but like you know you you can't, uh, 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 but you can't really go to the the, the programs, you know, the, these workshops or whatever. And Josh wound up being the first person staff here on Raising Hope. <laughs> Just uh, sort of you know we uh, this is around the time Greg Garcia was leaving, and and uh, uh, Mike Mariano got his got his script, and you know we. And we kept, you know, we kept kind of pushing to to get him to, to get him to read it, and he did. And then Josh went in and nailed the meeting. And then, um, you know, Raising Hope only he's only there for that one season. The show got got canceled, but that kind of then led to, you know, um, and then this this year on the McCarthy, uh, Allard is friends with one of the producers, and they had met with like a hundred writers for this last staff writer job oh gosh uh and they couldn't find you know and it was almost like sort of a and like staffing was pretty much over at this point we had like kind of resigned ourselves to like okay well we didn't you know we didn't, we didn't do as well this year or you know it was, and you know uh, our convinced richie to take the meeting and then you know richie had like uh you know mike psycho which the showrunner read him and and i liked him and like and and then he, and then they hired him, and then he wrote two episodes, and everyone there loves him. It's just like, it's so hard to kind of break through. I mean, like it's when you hearing that, it's like wow. It's like you're, it's lucky you're lucky anybody kind of breaks through, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's because it's, it's so, it's so competitive, and you know, but those, but those those instances in which, you know, the, you know, those people that you know that you believe in. You know when when no one else does like that's like the greatest feeling ever when they do succeed, and you know we're for finding kind of you know more and more of those. Um, we're finding that it's, it's a it's it's getting a little easier, but like not much. You know right. we're still having to you know, but I don't I don't believe in getting too complacent uh, and and trying to. Um, I'm always you know I'm always at the belief that like you know. You know, every day, every day is a new day. You can't rest on what you did, what you did yesterday. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but um, that was 
but that was, you know, and now he's he's taking meetings, you know, and, and he, they he's taking meetings now for for staffing. But just like getting that first one under your belt means, you know, means it's it's a huge difference. Oh sure. And like you know, we have another comedy writer who's super funny who we signed we signed out of AFI, and comedy such a t- subjective genre, which you know, like half the people like him, half people don't. But like if it's if he's it's, we find it so hard for people to to take a chance on on young comedy writers. Like I, I tweeted uh, um, in a in a moment of frustration that that uh, a couple of weeks ago that that breaking comedy writers is the hardest is the hardest thing to do. Um, whereas like if you can, if I have a, a drama that I feel like it's a little bit easier. Like okay, well I get I get this I get this I get this voice or you know um, where, whereas comedy is just so much. So half the half people like it, half the people like, yeah, I don't get it, you know? Right. Comedy is very subjective, whereas drama, what's sad to one person is usually sad to another or whatever. Yeah. Uh, unless you're heartless. Right. That, that, uh, yeah, that could apply as well. <laughs> but we hear that a lot about managers and reps in general, that the feeling that they get when their client actually sort of breaks that wall and gets staffed or sells us back and becomes that sort of working writer from an aspiring one. Yeah. Cause it's a huge step. It doesn't seem like it, but it is, you know, from the outside, but it actually is, it's just a massive leap forward. And in terms of television, I think something that's sort of not taken into consideration as much from aspiring writers is that it's not just about the writing ability. It's also a lot of times they like writers who have staffed before because they know that one, you get along with other writers and two, that you can deliver your, your material in a very timely fashion. You've worked in that environment before because TV is very much that sort of train that just starts rolling and you have to be able to deliver on time. You have to be able to work with others and you can be a brilliant writer, but if you can't do it in that time frame and you can't work with others, it, it becomes yeah. very difficult. So and we've had, and we've had that, We've had that happen before, where we, you know, we we, we worked hard to get someone staffed and, mm-hmm. and on a on a first year show, and you know it didn't work out. It's like it, it you have to, it, um, and it and it that does happen, you know. And and if I, you know, I've heard this numerous numerous times. But like if, if if like you weren't if you were right running your own show, wouldn't you want to hire people you knew? Like sure. yeah, maybe, you know, or yeah. worked with before. Yeah, if you can have a pre-vetted somebody pre-vetted for you, then it just makes it that much easier for you and safer. Yeah, um, I know. I know. It, it's each each um, each showrunner has their own quirks, and and you know you, they they're different. You know, some people are, are very more more open to to, to new voices. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we uh, Bridget Hale is another um, another story. Um, we if only if only every client could be this you know not this not to say like every this has been it was easy but like you know i bridge and i went to afi together we we we're you know facebook friends we had sort of lost touch she um she uh she was writing she was writing a book and uh was and she and her husband had a had a had a four-year-old and so we so we, we you know we we sort of just lost touch and you know as 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 it Often happens, but like we re- randomly reconnected at a at a like, I think it was the final draft awards, uh, maybe January of last year. And her husband uh, says you should you should read Bridget Speck. Uh, she wrote a t- she wrote a pilot 
and no one's seen it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll read it. And then, sure enough, I, I I start reading it, and then at two o'clock in the morning, I'm emailing uh, Allard, read this as soon as you wake up, and then and then um, we show it to a couple producers, and she she gets. Uh, she sold her spec. She sold her spec to ABC Family within a couple months, and then she got signed to CA. And then shortly after that, um, got landed on the writing staff of Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, um, the the Hulu Bad Robot mm-hmm. um, series based on a Stephen King um, novel. Cool. Um, with uh, which now now starring James Franco, and but the you know that was that was a, a case where a a showrunner liked the voice so much that like you know I'll take a chance on on this person and. And she made a great impression. And then she was out of work for a couple of weeks, and then and then uh, is now on the writing staff of Once Upon a Time. So it's um, it's 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 all about kind of trying to trying to capture that, capitalize on whatever momentum you have, right? To uh, to get to parlay that into something else. Same thing with you know like getting people getting people staffing meetings. I'm often like. You know, oh, someone else you know, taking the fact that it's like some someone read this person's stuff and liked it, sort of using that to like, hey, showrunner or showrunner's assistant, this person at the studio liked this script. Can you read it? You know, and and sort of trying to trying to build a read, uh, one read and one one response into another read and another response, and it's just like it, and hopefully it kind of results in you know them at least getting a meeting. You know, um, right. but um, that. Uh, but yeah, that, that, so it's 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 off. It's so it's so different. I, I find it's like it's uh, a lot of times at the lower levels they want um, the showrunners want and uh, diverse writers mm-hmm. and which is look. I'm, I'm not you know I'm not saying oh man, white guys have it really hard in the business. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, but it, it, you know at the, at the higher levels those are you know there's a lot of white dudes mm-hmm. in in these rooms and. You know, at the at the lower level, people want you know, uh, people want diversity, and you know that's that's something to take into consideration too. It's like you know, for if you're if you're a white male staff writer, it's at that lower level, it's very hard to get to get a job. Right. Um, and you know, it's and have to like, it's oftentimes easier to kind of sell, you know, develop, it's sell sell try to sell your your pitches or go out with. We had a writer who was who sold two broadcast pitches this year, and you know, but it's. But in trying to kind of get him, you know, there are people like I don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't even want to to read it unless it's unless it's diversity, you know. So right. that's that's sort of another. It's not not an, you know not an obstacle, I guess, or I guess it is an obstacle because we're trying to get this guy this person work. But it's it's it's, a, it's definitely a a factor in the in the hiring process. Sure, absolutely. What are some of the other ways you've discovered new clients other than referrals, of course? Referrals has been such a has been a huge part, but uh, it's been we found we found one uh, one client on the blacklist site. Um, so the blacklist does work, uh, and we we I found a writer on scriptshadow.com who is uh, who is a writer from from Alabama named uh, named Russ Bean who who wrote a kind of dark early Coen Brothers type type noir script set in Alabama, which like immediately caught my eye because I, I, you know, as, as an Alabama native, you hardly ever read anything set there. And so I, you know, I read it and tracked him down and this guy just like lives in the woods and works in a restaurant and writes and he's like, he's, 
you know, I, I, I hope he's my, I say he's my Nick Pizzolatto, but um, <laughs> we now have a pilot uh, that, that he wrote with uh, with a showrunner attached to the showrunner is also from, from Alabama and we're trying to package that right now. And we've, we've, we've taken one, um, we signed one person off of, uh, off of a query and, you know, I, I say by and large those don't work only because there's no, there's not enough time in the day. And it, it and I would love to, I would love to devote more time, but it's just, it, it, we were putting out so many different fires mm-hmm. over the course of a day that the, the, the priority is servicing the clients we have. And, you know, I, we, I would love to pay more attention to contest winners. Just so I know there's a lot of good people uh, coming out of those, those programs and the UC, the UCLA, um, UCLA programs. And it's just, it, it's been a matter of like, you know, managing our, managing our time and, you know, making sure, because like we, you know, I'm, I hardly have time to read as it is. And, you know, especially like right now, it's, it's, it's such a busy time of the year, but um, I, uh, I, I would, I've also, I also tracked someone down on Twitter once and have, and have gotten a couple of, uh, gotten a couple of replies through there. I, I, I don't really take uh, blind queries on Twitter, but if someone's like, if some, if someone who had mutual, I don't know, Twitter, what's what's the term uh, Twitter friends? I don't know, but uh, they uh, they're like, hey, I want to introduce you to someone, and like I've I've gotten a couple of introductions that way. Mm-hmm. So Twitter's been a good, uh, you know, it's been a good a good resource. But yeah, I think you know, but you know, it's hard to it's hard to leave out referrals just because it's such a you know it's such a big part of uh, it's such a big part of what we're doing. You know, it's it, you know some we we and those take precedent. You know, um, right as opposed to just just kind of seeking trying to seek out these uh, the the contest winners and and things like that. Like I would love to you know pay pay attention to nickel nickel winners and and it's just like you know it, it's uh, but it's it's hard to it's hard to make that make that time you know mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but we're trying right so and we get a you know pitch fest and, and things like that but I think that's kind of rare to in my experience it's very rare to find something extraordinary at at those at the pitch fest but um, um we do have some listener questions that I want to throw your way cool the first says. Who actually sends out my script, an agent or a manager? Do I need to have both to sell my script, or will one suffice? Uh, I would say probably won't have the. I'd say it's kind of rare to have an agent before you have a manager mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I, I mean I think it's it's so hard to it's hard to get an agent. Um, you know we had we had a we had a client who who sold who sold a pilot and had a movie going into production. This is like a year. A year and a half ago, I guess, and uh, you know, still couldn't get people interested in him. Like, I don't, I, you know, yeah, maybe later. You know, it's just like, okay, well, this guy's, you know, this guy's got a movie going with with some big elements, uh, and you know, which it premiered at Sundance this year, and which sold a show to a network with a big director. Like, where's the, where's the disconnect? You know, like what? And and he now has, you know, has a very good. Uh, good agent or uh, a couple of very good agents and uh but it's just like the that was the first instance of wait what what are what are we what do you want that we're that this client is not giving you you know mm-hmm. like is it what's the it what the the agency like we work we're like we work with we do a lot of the ca and and um and uta and and there uh, a lot of you know a lot of friends of the agencies but the 
a lot of that is, you know, I know CA has actually been very good about um, about taking on young voices and, you know, getting the, realizing that, like, hey, we're going to have to, we need to build the, the showrunners up tomorrow. Right. And, and, and sign those those great voices and they've you know they've we we have quite a few clients with them but i know a lot of a lot of places it's just like it's so look and i get it like it's so hard to to build a to break writers and like unless unless they're unless it's on a uh, you know unless it's a moving train like yeah you you do that work like you know if you're the you know if this is a this hypothetical situation which an agent is talking to a manager or talking to me like you, yeah, you do that work, and then you come back. You know, it's like they don't want to, like, unless there's unless there's momentum already. Mm-hmm. I find that in the majority of cases that that they don't they don't want to they don't want to sign new clients. I mean, it just it, I'm, and then I'm not, I'm not I'm just just my experience, and I'm, I know there are there are a lot of people who you know who've had different experiences, but you know, in my um, in our experience, that's sort of been the case, but. Um, but if, to answer the question, um, the agency and managers send out material. I mean, there's no kind of hard and fast rule about who sends out what. I mean, it's I think like eight, the manager is the one who, in in my in my experience, has been is the one who's sort of at there at the beginning and is and is and is sending out the material to to sort of build that foundation of of fans who are gonna who are gonna you know. The, the first kind of wave of people who are supporters of the of this person and their writing, um, and but like agents and stuff too. It's like if you have if you have an agent, then you know if, if they'll they'll they're constantly you know agents hear about every single thing. So you have to kind of but then they also have like way more the volume is way more during the day. So you have to like they just be kind of judicious about what what we're kind of asking them to do or like be be kind of efficient about like. Like, hey, what's going on with this show, or what's going on with that show? Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's no kind of there's no kind of rule about who sends out what. But I, I think for for a, an aspiring writer, the manager is going to be the the sort of the first in, so to speak, like, and you know, in sort of believing in in you as a as a voice and sort of what you can accomplish and sort of so it's 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 a you know, let's say like who do you in, in talking with, you know, with potential clients, or you know, like who do you want to talk to on a daily basis? Like if you're deciding between this manager or that manager, you know, who's because uh, like you, you know, we sort of use managers like a personal development exec, right? You know, for, um, who that you, who who do you want to who do you sort of see yourself growing with? Because um, we, you know, we sort of, you know, and a lot a lot of people, and it's not like I'm saying anything terribly innovative but you know we we sort of look at things try to look at things long term and mm-hmm. um who's the best fit creatively and we when we're talking to a client or a, a, a potential client is thinking about signing us or, or or thinking about going with us um we'll we'll say well, let us let us give you a round of notes on something just so we can see how creatively we we mesh and because otherwise like what's the point like we can tell you how fucking awesome we are all the, all day <laughs> and and but if, if if you're not kind of on the same page like what's the what's the point right um, and so we've that has worked for us a few times it hasn't worked for us a few times so it's just you know we uh and we we find out that those those 
businesses where it has worked and we've those are those have become longer term clients you know mm-hmm. um but i'd say you know focus on just getting your writing as good as possible and then and then get it to a manager and i would not you know it's going to get out there and people will read it but that wouldn't um, you know i feel like a lot of a lot of young writers are focused on yep agent manager all my all my worries are solved you know right right uh, and I don't, you know, I can t- I can kick my feet back and just let them do all the work now. And say right. that they, I think that's the, um, if you're if you're doing that, then it's that's that's sort of a recipe for disaster because like your work and I and I think Colbert said this too. Like if you're if you're waiting on like your work does not stop when you turn in the script. Like mm-hmm. you have to be you have to be out there hustling for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And then, those are those are the best those are the best relationships mm-hmm. that we you know that we've. We did. We have the clients who were like, "Hey, what about wait? You know, for figuring out a strategy as far as like what we're gonna do with the project. You know, who do you have relationships with? What about these people? And you know, it's, as opposed to, are right, you guys figured out? Let me know when you let me know when you have a deal. You know, <laughs> right? And they, those are the, the people who are because uh, you know we, you know, you're this, you're the. Uh, you're the president of your business, and we're the we're the CEOs, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I, that, to use a sort of business analogy, uh, we're sort of we do advise you, and and you know, uh, but it's it's your it's your career. You have to like get in, get involved. You know. Yeah. Um, Here's one. Even though you don't take a lot of queries or read a lot of queries because your schedule's so packed. Although you have signed a client based on a query. Um, here's yeah. another question. Is following up a query email with a phone call acceptable? Is cold calling a manager a good idea? I don't I don't love it, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that a lot. Uh, if, if, you know, usually if, there, if there's, you know, if I haven't, if I haven't, if you haven't heard from me, I haven't, I haven't read it or, you know, there's no need to, there's no need to call. It's, it's, uh, I feel like, you know, it's sort of you've you've sort of made it awkward, you know. And right. I, I uh, and I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm a really like I'm I'm a nice I'm a nice guy and like I you know I I want it like if someone someone calls me I I I try to I'll do my best to call them back that day or not the day after but like you know I'm you know always have to say well yeah I haven't I haven't like I haven't I haven't read it yet. I'm sorry. And like, you know, and, and you know, like, well, you, you think you're going to like, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know when I'm going to, I don't want to, when I'm going to have it read. And, you know, I, I, it just, it just makes things, it just makes things a little awkward, you know, like I, right. I, 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 I get, I get the emails and I, I see them. Um, it's only, only, it's only happened a couple times. Um, people are generally pretty, pretty cool. And, and, you know, sort of, uh, and most people are very, understanding of like i'm you know i just haven't haven't gotten around to this yet and uh, and um but uh but there has been there have been a couple of instances where you know um uh like hey it's uh it's it's so and so like as if i as if i should recognize their their name right uh, i sent you that script uh like oh man um but and um so it was it's um it's uh, it's it, it does get a little awkward, so I would not advise it. Yeah, no, and you're not the first manager to say that. And uh, we're 
running short on time, so I wanted to ask you if you had any, you know, stories, anecdotes, quotes that come to mind that you might that you feel might be particularly interesting, useful, or insightful to talk about for aspiring screenwriters. I do a quote that I thought was pretty useful and something that I've, you know, I always kind of go back to from time to time, and I, I forget where I read it, but um, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer is being honored for um, for for what you know. Uh, some, something, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. making a zillion dollars sure. for someone. <laughs> uh, but uh, someone asked him, "What, what do you, to what do you attribute your success, or like, what did you, you know, what was, what was it about what you were doing that was different, and uh, that that what that led to you being successful?" He said, uh, "I looked at what everyone else was doing, and I decided to do the exact opposite." <laughs> uh, which, like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, good. It's easy for you to say, buddy. Like, uh, but it's it sort of it sort of stuck with me, and I've I've always been like a uh, just my personality is you know is I, you know one that like you know I'm not I'm not like I try to not be a group thinker or chasing trying to chase trends and because like by the time you're you know for for your writers like by the time you're like oh man uh, like someone like I'm writing a great found footage horror movie right now I'm like oh man. <laughs> Um, you know, or or whatever the whatever the latest fad is. By the time you're done with your script, it's going to be you know people moving on to, to something else. You right. Know? Um, and and I, I know like people you know people have are probably repeating things that people have said before, but uh, that's something that's kind of always always stuck with me. Um, you know, and right, it's it's always you know people are always people ask I'm not. <laughs> So many people will just come up to me all the time and just ask me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, should I write something? Should I write like you know, think commercial, or should I write something, something personal? And I'm always, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm always try to try to find out from the client, you know, or whoever it is, like what is what is it about? What stories do you want to tell? And then hopefully you kind of, you know, there you find something commercial in them. Um, and we always we always kind of advocate just like you know starting from starting from from character and kind of letting you know letting the letting the process kind of dictate where where the idea goes. Um, but but yeah, it's yeah, anyway yeah, chasing chasing trends is not like you know it's it's like write write something that appeals to you personally, and then we'll kind of figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like you know because like unless you're I feel like it's easier to you know, again, getting back to the you know the the voice, quote unquote, um, it, the, it's easier to kind of mold a great voice into a more kind of commercial idea than you know. Well, this this writer, the, you know, this the script's okay, but like the, the idea is really cool. I yeah, I feel like those those aren't. Yeah, you might get a you might get a sale out of it, but you know what what then? Um, I'm, I'm sort of I'm so, that's why I'm sort of drawn to. These, um, these sort of unique, uh, uh, unique voices, as opposed to, you know, um, as opposed to concepts. And I think, like, you know, just just by kind of honing in on what it is that it makes you you as a as a writer, and kind of trying to harness that uh, um, in in in, a, in an interesting way. But um, does it, uh, that was my that's my Hollywood uh, that was my Hollywood quote from from Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sorry, it wasn't uh, it wasn't. 
No, that's good yeah, advice. I wish I, I wish I could good like wish I could good like cocaine story or something or you know someone someone like well those you those you probably couldn't or... share with us at least not the names. Well, you, want, I, you know, there's there's one of you know those are probably a, right down a dozen. There was you know like right. one of my uh, one of my oh I have a good story. Okay. Um. Uh. And probably like he's not gonna he's he's, he's not gonna listen to this. But okay, so <laughs> I was not there for this. But um, so when I was uh, when I was starting my internship at, at Joel Silver's company, uh, the the uh, receptionist was sort of in charge of the interns, and it was you know his his lot on the you know was uh, his lot on the his office on the Warner lot was just was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a like a you have to get buzzed into his office, and um, anyway, she was like sitting me down and explaining the the rules uh, and, and the sort of the etiquette to me and said, you know, you know, don't look, don't look Joel in the eye. Um, and don't, you know, don't, don't, don't look at him. Don't talk to him. And uh, she told me a story about how, you know, there, there was a, a, an intern who, uh, who said, Hey, uh, you know, his first day on the job, like saw Joel and, and was, um, was was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm really glad to be here. I'm such a big fan of your movies. Um, you know, Die Hard's the best movie ever. And Joel's like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, it's great. Um, and um, you know, thanks for thanks for being here. And so gets back to his office, and he's like, fire that intern. And so that's why uh, that's my that's uh, uh, one of my like it's always kind of stuck with me. It's like you know, I don't know if. I don't know how true that is, but like it sounds like it could be true. Yeah, it sounds like it could be very true. Yeah, um, um, and I get to—I uh, also get to drive Robert Downey Jr. around in a golf cart. That's cool. That was one of my, yeah, that was my. Uh, um, he thought I was Joel's assistant at the time, but uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, I think it was a better. That was that was a better story. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, Jared. I appreciate it. Thank you for thank you for having me. It's been it's been fun. And you can follow Jared on Twitter. It's Jared O. Murray, correct? Right. And then you can visit Epicenter at epicenter-la.com or their Facebook page. We need 500 followers, so please follow us on Facebook. Yeah, follow them on Facebook. Uh, so it's facebook.com, Epicenter LA, whether it's a slash or backslash, I'm not sure. Whatever that's in there, you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have questions... It's slash. About, it's slash, okay. Yeah. Um, I always get those confused. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. And thanks for listening.